You came on a good Sunday because we have a guest preacher uh, today. Dr. Richard Mao is president emeritus of Fuller Theological Seminary, where he was president for 20 years. And the first time I heard Dr. Mao speak was about 18 years ago. I was not a pastor at that time. I was an instructor at Stanford. And I remember when he finished preaching, I turned to my wife and I said, I don't know how you could preach a better sermon than that. My wife and I still remember that sermon. We still remember some of the points in that sermon. We still remember the stories in that sermon. That was 18 years ago. I don't remember my own sermon by Sunday night, so that's pretty good. Would you please welcome Dr. Richard Mao? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. I uh, continue to serve on the faculty of Fuller Theological Seminary. This great congregation has a long and deep uh, relationship of partnership with Fuller Seminary, and uh, together we uh, find ways, as we're presently doing again, thinking about uh, faith and work, setting up a new program where people can enter into a, a time, whether they want a degree or not, to study about what it means to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our daily lives. And in the light of that, uh, this wonderful passage this morning, it's just a privilege to reflect upon it with you this morning, where Jesus uh, comes to the disciples after the resurrection, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. What an amazing thing for any human being to say. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. My wife and I were in a bookstore a couple years ago. I think it was a Borders, but it could have been a Barnes and Noble. And I went to uh, the religion section. And those of you who visited religion sections of one of these chain bookstores know that they got a shelf and it'll say Judaism and another shelf that'll say Islam and the shelf that have said Eastern religions and then a lot of Christianity and Christian fiction and but there was one shelf on the bottom that was taller than all the rest, and the label said, Oversized Religion. <laughs> and I thought, I better get a sermon out of that sometime. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, we do have an oversized religion because we have an amazing Savior who has done far more than we could ever imagine or ask in order to bring us into a right relationship with God, and then comes and makes this oversized, this, this cosmic claim after the resurrection. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. You got to think about the scope of that. All authority in heaven and on earth, which is a, a slightly abbreviated version of uh, Something else that we read several times in the, in the Scriptures, in the New Testament. For example, in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul says that, that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth. He adds that under the earth thing there. And in the ancient world, those were viewed as the three levels of authority in the whole universe. There, there was the heavenly realm, and usually they weren't thinking of the highest heaven or the, 
where, where the, uh, uh, the one God rules, but they're thinking the realm of the angels or angelic type beings, the, the heavens, the, the realm of the angels. And then on the earth, there's those visible authorities. We know their names. We, we know who they are. And then under the earth is the, the realm of spooky stuff, departed spirits and demons and things of that sort. And, uh, and now Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth, and I think he also means under the earth, has been given unto me. And that's illustrated so nicely in, uh, in Revelation chapter 5, where John is getting a glimpse of, of a drama that's taking place in the heavenly courts. And they found this scroll in heaven. And it's sealed with seven seals, and they can't get it open. But it's important to know what's in the scroll, because if you know what's in the scroll, you know how it's all going to end up. If you know what's in the scroll, you know the basic plot. And if you don't know what's in the scroll, you're in big trouble, because for all you know, it could be a meaningless plot. It could be that this, this whole thing that we call history is going nowhere, and it's just going to sort of die someday. And so they want to know what's in the scroll that is sealed with seven seals. And we know from this that uh, heaven must be a very Presbyterian place because they sent out a search committee. <laughs> and the search committee comes back with a report and they said, no one has been found who is worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth can take the scroll and open it. <laughs> no one in heaven, none of the angels. Uh, the angel Mark, uh, the, the, the uh, archangel Michael was not able to take the scroll to open its seals. Gabriel couldn't open the scroll. None of the seraphim or the cherubim could take the scroll. That angel Moroni who stands on top of every Mormon temple, he could not take the scroll and to open its seals. So then they said, well, then we checked on the earth. You know, the visible authorities. Now, in those days, they were thinking of the emperor, the empress, kings and queens. Um, but, you know, the, in those days, the emperor, for example, was in charge of, of all of culture. Yeah. He was not only the political leader, but he led the military. He led the games, the entertainment business. He led the, uh, the marketplace, the kinship system the temple rituals, he presided, he presided over, over everything. So in our own day, we got to think uh, certainly about political leaders. Mr. Obama could not take the scroll to open its seals. No one in the Tea Party could take the scroll to open its seals. But all those other people who, who exercise authority over us, or at least want to exercise authority over us, the editors of the Wall Street Journal could not take the scroll to open its seals, you yeah. know. Uh, the uh, editors of Buzz magazine could not take the scroll to open its seals. Uh, uh, no one online could take the scroll to open its seals. Uh, and, uh, no one, um, uh, the coach of, the, of UConn's basketball team could not take the scroll to open its seals. <laughs> and try as they might, pooling all of their energies together, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie could not take the scroll <laughs> to open its seals. So then they searched under the earth. No vampire could do it. No zombie could do it. No witch, no troll, no ogre, none of the ghosts, the spirits of the dead. No one is able to take the scroll and to open its seals 
And so John says, I wept. Because for all I know, the plot, there's no real plot to it all. And then suddenly they said, second opinion, we found someone. And they announced that Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse, he is able to take the scroll to open its heels. And when John looks, he sees not a lion, but a lamb, the lamb who was slain. And then the courts of heaven break out in this wonderful hymn in Revelation 5. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, O Lord. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed men and women for God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us a kingdom and priests unto our God. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is able to take the scroll and to open its seals. And it was really that lamb thing that he was appealing to when he came to his disciples on that day after the resurrection. Because he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. What does that mean? What a mysterious and puzzling thing to say. Didn't he have it all along? All things were made by him and for him and through him. This is the second person of the Trinity eternally existing before he came to earth in the form of a, of, a, of a servant, went to the cross, was resurrected. <clears throat> Didn't he have it all along? But he's saying to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. This is what I think he was doing. I think he was holding out his, his nail-pierced hands and saying, something happened <laughs> recently, folks. In some sense, in some mysterious sense, the authority that he had from all eternity has been added to. It's been enhanced because it got away from him because of our fallenness. And he had to enter into our, our sinful condition and take upon himself the burdens of, of a fallen and, and wounded human race. And having gone to the cross, having suffered and bled and died and been raised from the dead, he can come to his disciples and say, I got it back. <laughs> this has been given unto me. He has made us a kingdom and priests unto our God. And that's important for us because even though he said that to a group of disciples in ancient Palestine, he's saying it to us today. We sang hymns that clearly point us to Jesus, who has authority over all things. <coughs> and Jesus has, uh, has authority over our, our daily lives. This workplace thing that we're talking about at Full Seminary, it's because all authority has been, uh, in heaven and earth has been given unto him. <coughs> I wrote a book several years ago uh, entitled Praying at Burger King. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in South Korea in Seoul and met uh, all day on a Saturday with a group of about uh, 40, maybe 50 or 60, 20-year-olds, uh, people in their 20s and 30s. I'm sorry, I'm coughing a little bit here. <coughs> people in their 20s and 30s. And uh, that book had been translated into Korean, and, and, and they had a couple of chapters that had been recorded in Korea. And we listened. I didn't know what I was saying, but... We were listening to it, and we had a wonderful discussion together about what this means. And I gave it that title, Praying at Burger King, uh, because of an experience I had one time where a friend and I went to Burger King for lunch in a city, downtown area of a city, and it was very crowded, little kids running around and long lines, and, 
And I, uh, we waited in line, and when we got to the head of the line, we each ordered a Whopper, fries, and then not to feel too guilty, we ordered Diet Cokes. <laughs> and uh, took it back to our table. And in this crowded, noisy Burger King, we bowed our heads to pray. Thank you, Scott. Thanks. We bowed our heads to pray. And, uh, and at that point, will I desecrate the table? If I, no, I'll put it right here. That's right. <laughs> And, uh, and as we're eating, my friend said to me, uh, you ever think how weird it is to pray at Burger King? Yeah? I mean, it's noisy and the smell of, smell of French fries. and It's just kind of strange to pray at Burger King. And I thought a lot about that because he was right. It's hard to get in a prayerful mood at Burger King. <laughs> and uh, then I thought about it. Suppose you're at a mall and you're walking down a, a long passageway and you see somebody coming before you, and you really like her. She's a good friend, but you hadn't seen her for a couple of months. And uh, she's coming toward you, and you're going to greet her. And then you think, you know, I'm really not, I really need to get in the mood for this. And so I should go off to a side area and just sit quietly and reflect on my history with her and think good <laughs> thoughts about her so that when I finally say, hi, it's good to see you, I really mean it. You, know, you don't do that. You know why? Because she's there. And you're going to acknowledge her presence. And here's the thing about Burger King. He's there. <laughs> All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him. He's the Lord of Burger King, Lord of KFC, Lord of Taco Bell. He's the Lord of the stadium. He's the Lord of the, the office building. He's the Lord of the classroom. He's the Lord of our homes. He's Lord of the theater. He's Lord of, over all of these places. And the important thing is to acknowledge his presence, to acknowledge his authority. And that's why we're here this morning, to remind, be reminded once again that he is the ruler over all things. And it's so important for us then to struggle with what does it mean in our daily lives, whether we're employed or unemployed, whether we're students, whether we're spending a lot of time uh, watching basketball or going to movies or online. What does it mean for us to acknowledge the rule of Jesus Christ over all of those areas that we are involved with. What does it mean to be sent forth today to show forth his rule over all things in our daily lives? They're complicated questions there. They're not easy ones to, uh, to answer. I, a couple decades ago during a campaign season, I, I was in New Jersey at the time, and I got on a plane in Newark, New Jersey, to fly to Dallas, Texas to... Uh, uh, to lead a, a retreat of InterVarsity Christian students uh, to talk about Christianity and politics. Uh, Christ's rule over politics, what does it mean for us in a political campaign here in the United States? And I was sitting in the back of the plane, we're on the tarmac, uh, just, the guy had just gotten on, and uh, when he got on, he came and sat, uh, there was a seat between us, and uh, he had a big Stetson hat on, he took it off and opened the overhead and put it in there. And then he uh, had a briefcase, and he put it under the seat and settled in. And he turned to me, and he said, you going home? I said, no, I'm going to visit. He said, well, I'm from Texas. I'm going home. He said, uh, Dallas is a great place. He said, we got, this is an exciting time in Texas. He said, we have primary season. Uh, we got an election coming up next week, and we're going to win this one. And I very cautiously asked him who we were. <laughs> and uh, he, he named a candidate that I didn't really like very much. And then he said, uh, I'm all for this candidate. I'm going to tell you why. 
He said, I'm in oil. And this candidate's for oil. And if he's for oil, I'm for him. It's as simple as that. And I changed the subject and exchanged a few pleasantries with him and went back to reading the novel that I had. And uh, we got up in the air, and I noticed that he, uh, he reached under the seat, got his, opened his briefcase, took out a Bible and a legal pad, put the tray down, and started taking notes. He opened the Bible, started taking notes on the legal pad. Then he stopped, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, Sir, I, I, I've really got to, I'm sorry to bother you, but i really got to say this to you. He said, you know, down on the, on the tarmac there, I said, he's for oil, I'm in oil, and if he's for oil, I'm going to vote for him. It's as simple as that. He said, it's not as simple as that. He said, I'm a Sunday school teacher at a Baptist church in Dallas, and this Sunday, he said, I've got to teach on the epistle of James. He said, that's a book in the Bible. And, uh, and he says, you know, James talks about the fact that Jesus is concerned a lot about the poor. James doesn't say anything about oil, but he talks about Jesus' concern for the poor. And he said, I know I've got to struggle with that. He says, I, you probably won't understand what I'm saying or why I have to say it, but I do need to clarify. He said, I made a deal with my Lord that in the primary I vote oil, but in the general election I vote Jesus. We had a wonderful conversation <laughs> because he was really struggling with what it means to, to be in oil and to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about. And I could point out to him, and he readily accepted this, that Jesus is not only the Lord of our economic lives, not only the Lord of the issues of poverty and, and rich and wealth and the like, but he's the Lord over oil. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. Oil belongs to Jesus Christ. He's the Lord over the oil industry. He's the Lord over Wall Street. He's the Lord over Hollywood. He's the Lord over the state of Washington. He's the Lord over all things. And he was really struggling with some good questions, and we need to struggle with those kinds of questions. There aren't easy answers to this. But it's so important for us to be reflecting, what does the lordship, the rule of Jesus Christ mean for my daily life this week? I hope you'll think about that. I hope you'll go out of this place thinking about that this morning. You know, I, uh, when I've been doing a lot of work, which I have been recently, and I doing a lot of heavy reading. I've got some writing I've got to do, and I've got to read some books and articles. And, and I finally, when I've got to take a break, I'm going to go on a plane trip by myself. I'll uh, take a novel along and just relax. And I don't like, on those occasions, he is a PhD in literature, i got to say, on those occasions, I like something a little trashier than, you know, great, <laughs> great literature. So I'll read a Robert Ludlum or a Tom Clancy or a David Baldacci. You know, one of those thriller novels. And this is the way it goes. It's fairly formulaic, you know. There's 668 pages, and you get halfway through, page 334. You can be pretty sure of something like this. The hero is in big trouble. The house is surrounded by the enemy. It doesn't look like he's going to get out of it alive. And the woman he loves is someplace else being held captive somewhere, and it certainly doesn't look like they're ever going to get back together again. That's on page 334. 
So I go to the last page. And I want to read it very carefully. I still want to be surprised by how it all comes together. But, but I, I just sort of scanned, skimmed the last page, and I just want to find out two things. One is he's alive, and secondly, that they're together again. Then I can go back to page 334. I still don't know how it's all going to happen. It's still a fascinating plot. I go through it all, a lot of empathy, a lot of, uh, you know, getting into it. But I can do so with an underlying sense of confidence because I've seen the last page. Yeah. And I have good news for you this morning. We've seen the last page. Yeah. Jesus Christ said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And the last pages of the scriptures tell us that someday he's going to come back. And every eye will see him and every knee will bow, whether in heaven and on earth or under the earth, to acknowledge that he is Lord to the glory of the Father and we will reign with him for all eternity. It will be well in the end. The, the last word, the last page says this, and we will live happily ever after in the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's a comforting thing. I, I don't have easy answers. We're on page 334. And it may really be bothersome for you today. Maybe something happening in your body. Maybe something happening in a relationship, in your jobs, employment situation. Something else that's deeply troubling you. And it feels like you're on page 334. But we can go forth in confidence this morning. And maybe you've never even seen the last page. Maybe you've never even thought about the last page. I hope that you'll hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying to you in the deep places of your being this morning, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, and it can be well with you. This can be a great week for you as you go forth in confidence, because there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will appear, and every eye will see him, and he will say, Behold, I make all things new. And when that day comes, no more mudslides, no more broken relationships, no more unemployment, no more corruption, no more sexual trafficking, no more cancer, no more AIDS, none of those things that, uh, that have afflicted us. And every tear will be wiped away, and we will be with him for all eternity. The one who said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. That's good news this morning. I hope you hear that good news in the deepest places of your being. Lord Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to you, and we come and we bow before you. We sing hymns of praise to you. We acknowledge who we are and who you are. And we ask that as we go forth from this place, you will go with us, that you will remind us in those places at Burger King, in the stadium, when we're online, when we're at work, when we're in the classroom, wherever we go this week, that you will be with us and that you care for us. And in the end, all things will be well because you will make all things new. And I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.